in action, and God has uh, called us actually to be focusing on four different groups uh, in our community, those who are victimized by human trafficking, those who are affected by disabilities, uh, foster children uh, and foster families, as well as uh, single parents. And it's been, we're coming actually to the end of the year, and this has been a really good time of just praying and seeking the Lord. And again, as we think about these uh, different groups, it's more than just uh, we're interested in helping out or giving, you know, maybe a little bit of time here and there, we as a church really feel like God is calling us to concentrate, to really bring the love of Jesus Christ, particularly to to these groups within our community. And we're hoping that in the coming year, uh, that God's going to give us very, very specific ways in which we can minister. And so um, later on in the week, uh, Ron will be sharing the announcement, or they'll be sharing the announcement later, but we were going to be asking for your feedback as well. We, we thank you that many of you have been taking advantage of some of the opportunities to be involved and be exposed to these different groups within our community. And uh, we want your feedback as to the area where you feel like God is calling you. And for us as a leadership, that's going to be a very important feedback for us to see how God is leading us as a church together. So please, when that survey comes out uh, through the email, the, the survey monkey, please do take some time to um, fill that out. As we go to the Lord in prayer, uh, we have a very uh, happy couple, and uh, I just want to, it's my privilege to announce that uh, Anne and Kevin are, are engaged, so I don't want to embarrass them, but we're very thankful and excited for them, so we want to pray for them. And uh, we also do, uh, <laughs> I know, it's embarrassing, you don't have to stand, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> we do want to also uh, pray for, uh, for many of our college students and actually all our students who will be going back to school all, going back to school this month. But actually, we really want to do pray because I believe that for college students, for, the, for you students, uh, high school students, uh, and, uh, and middle school students, honestly, um, you are the next generation for Jesus Christ. And I know you hear that so often, but man, our world really does need uh, this generation to stand for Jesus. Not just to be good people, not just to be loving people and kind people, but to be people that just really love Jesus Christ, really sold out for Jesus. So we really want to pray for our students, for our college students, and um, that God will, uh, will really bless them. We want to pray for, uh, there's actually a lot of prayer requests. We want to pray for um, Teresa's mom. And Teresa's mom, Teresa just found out her mom was admitted to the hospital. And her mom has been having a lot of health struggles, but she just was, was admitted to the hospital this morning with pneumonia, with uh, fluid. And um, so we, we want to keep praying for Teresa and her mom and the, and the family there. Who's really, uh, her mom's just been going through a lot of uh, physical struggles. We also do want to pray for those who are struggling uh, in, in Northern California with the fire heard that actually there's several lives that have been lost, uh, not, as, not to mention the houses and property and things like that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we, um, we praise you because when we, uh, when we look at this world, we see uh, Jesus seated on the throne. We see amidst all of the craziness, we see Jesus uh, extending uh, his love, extending his kingdom, Lord, extending his peace, Father. And Father, we pray that, that God, that, that we would really truly stand uh, for Jesus, for his love, Lord, that we would really shine in the darkness. And we feel like, God, in this world, things are just getting darker, getting harder. Um, there's not as much love 
there's a lot of hatred, Lord. And there's a lot of, of very cruel and unkind things that are occurring, Lord. And Father, we, of all people, Lord, because we are followers of Jesus, Lord, God, we pray that we would shine the light in the darkness. We pray that we would point the way to Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, in every way possible, that we would be the ones who bring uh, this good news, that there is hope, Lord. This good news that, 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 that things can change, even if this world doesn't change, but Father, that to be able to know that this world is not just it, but Father, that there is an eternal reality, that there is a heaven. And so, Father, we pray that, that, that God, you would give us a renewed um, determination to really shine for Jesus, to love Jesus more and more because of how much depends on it, especially now, Lord. Father, we pray for, for all of our students, Lord. We praise you that you give them this opportunity to study, to grow, to, to build relationships, to grow uh, in their spiritual lives, Lord, especially not just here, but, uh, but in, in many other colleges around the country, Lord. And Father, we know that, uh, Father, that uh, the, these students, they have to worry about so many things, Lord about their grades, about uh, whatever's going on in school with friendships and all that kind of stuff about their future. But Father, um, we pray most of all that, that above all those things, uh, that each student, each man and, man and woman uh, in this congregation, Lord, uh, that they would really love Jesus with all their hearts, that that would be the one thing that distinguishes them above all things. Wherever they go, Lord, the holiness of God uh, the righteousness of God, uh, the love of Jesus Christ, not just a human love, but really just saying that, that we are sold out for Jesus because he is worthy. Um, he is worthy of all of our lives, everything we do, everything we say, everything that we might have to give up and sacrifice for his sake, Lord. Uh, we would do so joyfully because we love Jesus Christ. We pray that for our college students as they continue to grow and, and, and find their lives and, and, and who they are in Christ, that God, that they would really come to be grounded in their identity in you and that they would be on fire for you because of you and you alone, not because of parents, not because of anything else, not because of any gain, but just because of Jesus, Lord. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will stir in their lives, raise them up, to be leaders, leaders in this world, lights that shine brightly for our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we want to pray for, um, for Teresa and, and her mom, and we pray for your healing. We pray for your healing upon her, her mom's life, Lord, right now. Uh, we pray that, uh, that you would just um, eliminate all the fluid that's building up, and Father, that she'd be able to, to be able to get out of the hospital, Lord. And we pray for Teresa and her brother and sister who are caring for the mo their mom right now, and we pray that you continue to give them uh, a s a sustaining strength and hope as they, as they love on their mom and care for her every need, Lord. And Father, we also, uh, finally, we want to really pray for um, those who are suffering just in our state, just above us, Lord, in Northern California, who are losing homes, losing loved ones. Uh, we pray for your comfort. Uh, uh, we pray for your power to work in these places, Lord, for your mercy. We pray that you would uh, stop the fires. We pray that you would protect all those who are fighting those fires and, 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 and risking their lives to fight those fires. And we pray that uh, they would all be brought under control real soon, Lord, and people would be able to return back to their homes. And so, God, with all of these things going on, God, we just pray that Jesus, that Jesus' name, 
uh, will be honored, that Jesus, his person, and uh, his presence will be seen. And we pray that we would be a, a big part of that as Living Hope. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, we're continuing in our study on freedom and the freedom that we have in Jesus. And today, actually, we want to look at a specific area. We want to look at freedom from judgment. You know, what does it mean to, to, to judge someone? And, and see, the thing is, is a lot of times um, when we think about uh, judgment, that's like the, the common accusation that comes against Christianity is, oh, Christians are so judgmental. And, and we, we, we look at the media and we go, oh, man, I wish they didn't do that, or I wish they didn't show that, or I wish they didn't say that. And we say, I just want to go out and show people that we're different, that I'm a Christian and that I'm different in this world. But, you know, the thing is, is as, as we pray and as we think about this, you know, Sometimes we think that maybe the focus may not be so much those very few Christians who are filled with a lot of pride and anger, because we can't do a whole lot about those things. But maybe the struggle for us is how the expectations of others deprives us of our freedom in Jesus Christ and how we live in this world. Maybe, maybe that's the battle right now that needs to be waged within the church. Uh, within our community, that if we can live out the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, maybe that actually will be the greater testimony of, of, of the gospel for a watching world. And so we want to look at, you know, what does it really mean to judge someone or what does it mean to be judged? Well, judge actually in the scriptures means to give a final verdict or to give a final decision. And so to be judged means to allow others um, to make that final decision about who we are and what we are like. It means that, that when we allow other people to judge us, what we're doing is we're allowing them to determine how we think we're supposed to be treated, what we deserve, what we don't deserve, uh, what we're worth. And so we, we look at this and we say, well, maybe before people can come to that final judgment about who we are, we try our best to win their approval, to get a good judgment. We try to live up to their expectations. We try to uh, do the things that, that they want to see in, a, in, a, in you know, whatever we are. Uh, we try to blast away maybe any misconceptions they may have so that when they come to their final decision or final verdict about us, uh, it'll be positive. And, and the thing is, is that, that we know that, that when they come to their final decision about who they think we are, then it's really hard to change their minds, right? I mean, it's like once they've decided, oh, you're this way, or oh, you're that type of person, uh, then it's really hard. Then we're working uphill to try to say, now I really have to deal with this person who thinks I'm this way, or treats me this way, or who has come to the conclusion that, that this is how I am. And so if we live according to the approval of others, okay, if that's how we live, then we're either working really hard all the time trying to get a good verdict. I mean, really, that's what we're doing. Or we're trying to live with whatever verdict they've given us, whether it's good or bad, whether we're trying to keep it up or whether we're trying to change it or whether we're just accept it. This person's just not going to like me or he's just going to think this way of me or this way of me. Um, <clears throat> that's... That's our lives if, we, if, we seek, if we're always seeking the approval of others. Um, and I think we've all been there. I think, I think the longing of our hearts is we really desire to be free. 
to be free from the expectations of others, that, that it can be, you know, the, 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 the expectations of many people or it can just even be the expectations of that one person. But either way, we say, man, I wish, I wish that somehow um, that I can be free from all these expectations and really live the way that, that, that I was meant to live. And, and, and the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, we can be free that we can then have the fulfillment, not just to be uh, who we want to be, but rather to be everything that God wants us to be. So I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, and we'll be looking at this particular area. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Let's go ahead and stand in reverence for the word of God. <clears throat> These are the words of Paul speaking to the Corinthians. And in verse 2, it says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, I do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So from this passage, we really do want to answer the question, you know, how can we find true freedom in an approval-based world? You know, uh, how can I find, how can I get rid of this burden of always trying to please people? or to live under the expectations of people in my life, whether it's my parents, whether it's coworkers, whether it's even my own brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, how can I truly live a free? Now, the first thing we want to look at is kind of what doesn't work. And um, in verse 3, it says, but with me, um, Paul says, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. Now, actually, I'll be honest here, this was a very personal verse for me, because growing up, um, way back in middle school, I had a very, very low self-image, I had very, uh, always wanting to please people, and this verse really spoke to my heart. I memorized this verse, I tried to, to live this verse out in my life, and you know, I'm a firstborn, only son of two very accomplished parents, and I grew up as a child and still probably as a man um, who, who, who lives to, to be approved, to be liked, or at least to be thought well of. I don't have to be the most popular person. I don't have to get the girl, you know, even though I did get the girl. Uh, I don't have to do that. I just want peace. And I recognize that, like, at that time, it's like pleasing people I knew was my biggest problem with, in my walk with Jesus. I knew that pleasing people was making me unhappy. It was making me dissatisfied. It was making me timid. It was keeping me from what I really wanted in life. And in fact, it was keeping me from even knowing what I really wanted in life. If people asked me, like, what do you want? Even if they asked me, what would you like to eat? I would be like, wherever you want to go. Or what movie do you want to watch? I'd be like, 
I don't want to choose a movie because if I say, let's go to this movie, and it turned out to be really cruddy and everybody was angry or like, I wasted my time, then I'd be like, I'd feel like, oh, they probably hate me because I made them go see this movie. You know, things like that. Or, oh, if the restaurant was really bad, I'd be like, oh, they probably hate me because I made them go to this restaurant. And so growing up, um, I always felt worried about how other people felt. I always wanted to know, oh, I know that person likes this restaurant, so I'll just choose that one. Or I know, I checked out, you know, that these people want to see this movie, so I'm just going to go with that one because that's what they want. And it was never about uh, what I wanted, what I thought, or things like that. And even, it wasn't really a matter of what I want. It was just a matter of being free. It was a matter of saying, what's wrong with me? What, what's wrong with my life that, that I'm always um, trying to please people and, and never feeling good? you know, about who I am, about what I do. And, and, and this verse kept coming back to me. I read this verse when I was a kid, and, and it just stuck with me. Wow, this is really powerful. And I just kept reading it over and over again. Small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court, but yet I couldn't unlock. What does this really mean? How do we really live like this? See, we live in a world that indeed is full of judgment. I mean, we're, we're being constantly evaluated by everyone from the moment we see them and they look up and down like of our clothes or look at our shoes or, or what we're carrying or how we did our hair or, or, or if we're hanging out and somebody's telling a good story and talking about this and that and we have to pretend like we know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe we don't know anything about it, but we pretend because it's like I don't want everyone in the crowd to know that I don't know anything about this topic, or I didn't see that show, or no, I don't know anything about these people, or who's that, you know, things like that. And so there are, we live in this world where there's just constant judgment. Whether it's real or whatever, we feel it day by day. And it's a burden. And we say, well, how can I be free of these things? Well, there's two kind of wrong ways of dealing with this, and I say wrong because basically uh, they're ultimately disappointing. They don't bring the freedom that, that, we see, that we seek. Yet, most people, including followers of Jesus Christ, fall into these two categories. The first one is we give in. We give in to the world. We actually try to win people's approval. We actually try to meet everyone's expectation. I mean, we say, well, if that's the, world, that's the way the world's going to play it, then I'm going to make sure that I win, that, that, that I am popular, that I am the person that people look up to, that I do re meet everyone's expectation, that when everyone talks about me, they say, oh, yeah, he's this, he's that, she's this, she's that, I like her, I like him, blah, blah, blah. And, and we say, well, you know, I want to be that person at home. I want to be that person at work. I want to be that person at school that everybody knows that I'm great or I know all these things. And, and sometimes, sometimes we even say, well, I'm going to do it for Jesus, Right? We say, I'm going to do it for Jesus because I want to influence people for the gospel. So I'm going to meet everyone's expectations and be that popular person and be that, you know, whatever person to, to bring the gospel to people. But, you know, I have a suspicion that a lot of times it's more for ourselves, really, than anything else. It's more out of our own fear or out, out of just our own hurt. See, this is what Paul says about this approach. He says, um, 
But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any other human court. And uh, the thing is, 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 now remember the Corinthians, now when we were talking about the Corinthians, particularly in this passage, they actually thought very well of Paul, right? I mean, uh, in fact, they were like fighting to be associated with Paul, right? I'm, I'm, I was a disciple by Paul, and just by his name to say, I want to be you know, associated with Paul's name. So you know, if Paul wanted to play the popularity game, the expectation game, he would win. He would win with both the non-Christians and the Christians. Like everybody would say, you know, Paul, man, he was incredible. But Paul says, even though I have all these things, for the, for the Corinthians, he's using this as an opportunity to talk to them about true freedom. And Paul says, you know, the opinion of men, even your opinion of me, whether good or bad, makes no difference because it's not the final verdict. It's not the final decision about who you are or who I am. The final decision is God's alone. And so if someone were to say, like if you were to have a friend to you, friend, and they come and they say to you, well, you know how I'm going to live out my freedom is I'm determined for the rest of my life, I'm going to win everybody's approval and meet everybody's expectations. You know, if, if, that's, if they came to you and said that, you'd be kind of like, good luck. And when you're crying, come back to me and we'll pray. Um, I mean, we know already it's a failed endeavor, right? We're, well, basically, what we're doing is we're going to say we're shifting to every desire of every fickle heart around us, that we're going to make ourselves victim to every cruel, selfish person that has expectations, unreasonable expectations of people uh, around us. And, 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 and that's what we would say we would be doing. It, and life would be miserable. We know life would be miserable. And yet, how many of us, when we wake up in the morning and we think about what we're going to put on and we start posting Instagram and Snapchats while we're brushing our teeth or going to the bathroom first thing in the morning, that this is exactly what we're thinking about doing, meeting everyone's expectations, trying to, to please people, trying to, to win their favor. When we go out and we have conversations with our coworkers, when we do our work, uh, every decision, everything we do, what are we trying to do? Am I trying to make an impression on this person? Am I trying to, 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 to leave a good impression? Am I trying to hint to someone about me? Am I trying to make sure that I don't look bad? Sometimes I sit back and I think about my conversations, talking with people after just hanging out and go back and say, how many of those things really really was about me, about trying to walk away from this group of people and leave a really good impression about me. And, and I, I'm ashamed to say a lot of times there's a lot, whether it's strangers, whether it's friends, whether it's at church, wherever I am. Sometimes the conversation, it's not just about them or loving them or, or giving good information or helping them. It's about me. It's about what they think of me, how they're going to think about me during the day, how they're going to think about me during the week. Am I building a better reputation or picture of me with every conversation? Uh, th th this is really what, what we do. 
And Paul says this is a slavery to, to live by the expectations and try to gain the favor of every person. And Paul says if you want to be free from the slavery of trying to win others' approval, he says, says we need to say that this is a very small thing what people think of me. This, this judgment that people make upon us is not the final judgment. It's not the final word of who we are. That, that if someone says your clothing is so boring, we say, hey, that's a, that's a small thing. I don't care. If people say, you know, your position is so low. I mean, you know, you work so hard. Why are you still in this position? We say, it's a very small thing. If people say, well, you're not very pretty. That's a very small thing. If people say, well, what, you didn't know that, that's a very small thing. If people say, what, you don't have this? That's a very small thing. Paul says, to me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or anyone else or any human court or any decision that is made by men. That's the first wrong thing, that is giving in. The second wrong thing is, is to decide for yourself who you are, to say, I'm worth it, I'm a good person. Now, again, it's important to have a good, healthy self-image, but I believe that there's a, a slight problem to this approach. You know, the world actually, it's really popular right now, particularly in like education, in workplace, in life coaching. It's all about saying, just say you're a good person. Just say, I can do it. Just say, I'm beautiful. Just say, I'm worth it. I'm special, you know, and, and, and believe that and everything's going to go well for you. Just make your own identity apart from whatever everyone else says. Who cares? You're beautiful, right? Things like that. And just be around people who say that to themselves and say that to you. And, and again, there's a little bit of a problem with this. The prominent uh, criminal psychologists, because a lot of people say, well, the, the problem with society is that we, have a, we all have a bad view of ourselves, and we just need to have a better view of ourselves. But a prominent uh, criminal psychologist, secular psychologist, he spent his, year, his whole career dealing with sociopaths, violent criminals, and kind of interviewing them and, and talking with them. And he said, really, his conclusion was, the problem is not that they feel bad about themselves. The problem is that most of them don't feel bad enough about themselves and what they're doing. And so he says all this talk about feeling good about yourself, that that's going to be the solution, he says it's not going to work and he's not a Christian. He just says you can't just tell people feel good about yourself and it's going to solve all your problems. Because basically utilizing the world's concept by saying just have a good self-image, it's kind of like using pride. <laughs> to attack judgment. It's kind of like using sin to address another sin, which in the end, again, will not bring freedom, all right? See, Paul says, for I'm not even aware of anything against myself, how I think, but I'm not thereby acquitted. You see, I have a clear conscience, but that doesn't mean that I'm not without, that I'm without sin. He says, even though I have a clear conscience, even though I can say to myself, I'm a great person, I love, you know, I'm good, I do good things, and et cetera, et cetera, and I think I'm wonderful, that doesn't mean that necessarily I'm wonderful or that I'm everything that I think I am. 
Because ultimately, why? Because we, we, we still, we fail at our own standards, right? We fail. Even with the standards that we give for ourselves. For example, you know, when people lie to us, if they lie, we say, we get angry. We get angry. Why do we get angry? Because that's the standard we set. We say uh, that, that speaking truthfully to others is very, very important. It's as a standard that, that, that I set for people, that we say we set for people that we respect and, and honor. But yet, this in this standard, we also fail. We, 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 we lie to other people too. We break our own standard. And so if we were to say to ourselves, you know, I'm just going to judge myself by my own standard and say I'm worth it because I believe I'm worth it, well, we still fail because we still break our own rules. We still feel guilty. We still hide things. And so we may ask, well, then how, how can I truly live free from judgment? And, and Paul says that the way, the only way... This is the scripture, the only way that, that, that actually works is to lose yourself altogether. Now, this is an interesting phrase. It sounds really spiritual, but we're going to take it apart and try to figure out what does this actually mean. See, because Paul says that, he says, for me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any other human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything else against me. I'm therefore not acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul's saying that the only thing that, that, that the only means of, of satisfaction, the only way to have freedom is really to get to this place where the ego where, where our self is no longer an issue. Tim Keller wrote this, and I like this, this quote. It says, true gospel humility is, where an, is, is an ego that is not puffed up, but filled up. So it's, it's not that we don't have an ego or that we don't, you know, we just say we're terrible people, but we say our ego, our ego needs, our, our pride needs, our personal satisfaction needs, they're already filled up more than enough by God so that, that we don't even have to think about it anymore. That's gospel humility. That, that the gospel is about when I walk into a room of people, I don't even have to think about whether I look good whether I, I, I look normal. That when I talk to people, I don't even have to think about what they're thinking about me, about making a good impression on them. Why? Because me doesn't enter into the picture at all. True gospel humility means that I stop connecting every single experience, every single conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself altogether. And this actually is something that, again, it takes a little time to think about this because we normally say, well, I don't talk about myself a lot. No, we may not talk about ourselves a lot, but really think about it. Every experience, every conversation that I no longer think about how it's connected to me. That's a powerful statement. That's something very difficult. But I really do believe that, that, that that's freedom. When we no longer have to think about what I'm saying, how that, you know, how that makes me feel, or what I'm doing, how that makes me look better in the eyes of men. This is the freedom of self-forgetfulness. 
And so the thing is, you know, we've looked at kind of the, the wrong ways of dealing with it. We've looked at the only way. Um, but how, you know, how do we actually get to this place? How do I live in freedom? Because it's nice to say, oh, self-forgetfulness, but that sounds so esoteric, it sounds so ideal, it sounds so mystical. You know, how do we actually get there? What does that really look like? Um, it's not through Eastern mysticism. A lot of times, you know, they say, oh, Eastern mysticism or self-deprecation and all this kind of stuff. It's not like fantasy, like I no longer exist, things like that, because people do believe in those type of things. It really, self-forgetfulness comes down to understanding a key biblical truth, particularly in, in, this, in this chapter. See, we go back to our original definition of what does it mean to judge. Judge means a final verdict, final decision. Okay, that's the thing that, that we're afraid of. That's the thing that we're working at. And Paul says that what happens with men is we're constantly feeling like we're on trial. We're trying to get that final verdict. We're trying to get a good decision. And Paul says when we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, when we choose to die to ourselves and trust in Jesus' death on the cross and in the resurrection, then this final verdict, this final decision is done. God says we are therefore not condemned. We're a child of God. That's, what, that's the final verdict. You know, in, the whole, in all the religions of this world, they all live for a verdict. Muslim, Buddhist, even atheist, uh, any type of religion. They're all working for God's approval, for his final verdict. Am I doing enough? Am I saying enough? Am I a good enough person? Am I a religious person? Have I done the things that please God? Living up to, quote, his expectations. Uh, but the Bible says um, once we believe in Jesus, the verdict is done already. We already have the verdict. We already know that God joyfully accepts us and loves us as a child and has made us, and we said, an heir, a co-heir with the king. And so the verdict is in, and now God says this, you live according to that verdict. You live according to this declaration forevermore that you are worth more than anything else in the world, that you are loved, that you are precious, that you are valuable. It means that I can serve people because it's a good thing, not because... I have to look like a good servant or I have to look like a good Christian. That, 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 that I don't have to worry about earning anything, receiving anything, looking good. But God already says, everything is good. Just love people. Then you don't have to choose. You know, sometimes we're at church and who do I love? Who do I take care of? Is that person, if I take care of that person, how's it gonna look? If I do this, how's it gonna look? Oh, if I don't do this, how's that gonna look? You know, if I'm not doing this, if everybody's helping and I don't do this, how's that gonna look? And I'm gonna look really bad. I mean, you know, we won't admit we, say, we think these things, but we do think these things. Oh, we, you know, like, uh, yeah, I should do this, I should do that. Why, because I love Jesus? No, because I don't look bad at church. I'm not gonna look like a good Christian. Self-forgetfulness says, hey, God already loves you. God already approves you. It doesn't even matter what people at church think about you. If you want to love on that person and you feel like that that's the right thing to do, go love on that person. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if that's the only... Oh, everybody should love on this person because they're the popular person to love on. I don't know. Maybe Christians, that's what we think. I don't know. But who cares? Who's the popular person to love on? Who's not the popular... How it's going to look for you? It doesn't matter. We love on people. Why? Because, because it's the right thing to do.
because we love Jesus, because we're already approved. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter. When, when we enjoy things, we don't have to feel guilty. We can enjoy them because God says, I give this to you, you're free. We don't have to say, oh, you know, I feel kind of bad about taking this vacation because, I, you know, I haven't really been that good of a person. I don't really know if I deserve this. And I kind of feel guilty about, you know, doing this and that. And, and you know, this person can't, does, doesn't have those things. And why should I? We feel bad. We feel guilty. Oh, what does it look like if I go, what if I put it on Facebook and people see this? And what are they going to think about me? Oh, he's enjoying himself in, you know, in, in wherever. And, 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 oh, he's doing, he's eating that. What are they going to think? Uh, well, we can just, in Christ, we just enjoy things because God is good. And we don't care. We don't care about what people think. We don't care what people are going to say, whether we're going to get comments, ooh, you know, whether you're going to get likes, whether it's going to pop up and say, oh, this was the, the, was, this was the post that got the most likes, you know. The, I don't know, Facebook always does that. This was your post that got the most likes. It kind of makes you feel like, <laughs> oh, my most likes was only 100? Oh, I got to do better than this, you know, whatever. Um, you know, we're constantly thinking about ourselves, but freedom to be able to say, you know, I can do stuff, I can enjoy stuff, I can love God, I can love on people and not have to worry because God has already said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are loved by God. Follow him Honor him in the way that your heart and the way that the word of God directs you and no longer think about what other people say. No longer think about what other people will, will do or what they will even think. Because you are free. You are free in Christ. This is why Jesus died on the cross so that you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ without thinking about men. The other verse I always think about is Ephesians. If, you were, if I still were, were trying to please men, I would not be a minister of the gospel. And I think about that all the time. If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a minister of the gospel. It's almost like black and white. If you're still trying to please men, you're not serving Jesus. And I'm like, man, that is so convicting. So convicting. If I'm trying to please men, then this is no, no use. If by loving and serving this person, I'm trying to please men because I think people are going to say, oh, look at what he did, look at what she did, blah, 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 and tell people how good of a servant I am, um, then it's no use for Jesus Christ. If I go visit someone in the hospital and they happen to be asleep, so no one knows that I was there praying for them, and no one, I get no credit for that, um, oh, then it's no use. We think about that. We say, yeah, but if I'm trying to please men, then it's no use for God. That's really what the scripture says. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's a burden. And that's why Paul is saying, and, and the scriptures are saying, hey, you want to be free. We want to be free. If you're here and you're not a believer, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, God is saying, yes, you can be free from judgment. There's no condemnation for you if you put your life and put your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Admit that I am a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Choose to follow him by faith. If we do these things, God promises that his final decision will be yes, I'll receive you into heaven, my dear child, 
my faithful and loving servant, the heir with my, 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 my son, my child. If, you, if, if, if we're a Christian and we're here and, and, and every day Satan is always trying to, to bring us back into court. See, that's the thing is Satan's always trying to relive that trial. He's trying to say, you gotta pay that penalty. You, you, you know, the, 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 the decision is still up for grabs. You know, God hasn't, the, the people haven't decided yet, but God says, hey, no, no, the, the, the verdict is done. It's written in the book of life. We're not gonna have a trial anymore about this. We're not gonna try you anymore about this. He says, you gotta learn, we just have to learn to live according to this verdict. It has nothing to do with people. And so we say, well, how do we do this now? Do we just say, I, I don't care anymore about what people think? That's really hard. Well, how about this? Let's, let's try this. My suggestion is to start with specific strongholds. Tear down specific strongholds that have been put in your life by the expectations of others, okay? Strongholds are places where the enemy has a foothold in our life. Satan can build these strongholds. They're like fortresses within enemy territory, within friendly territory, but there's a fortress inside it. And, and, and that fortress can launch out attacks, even though it's a, a place where we have freedom, but, that, but if we allow that stronghold to stay there, we're allowing the enemy to have that place and launch attacks to make us feel bad, make us feel guilty, to make us bow down to the expectations of others. So we need to tear down those strongholds in the name of Jesus Christ. God says in prayer, we can tear down strongholds. That was another thing I was reading in my devotions and, and it's talking about that, that the power of the kingdom of God is the power, we have this power, it's not a human power, it's not a man-made power, it's the power of God to tear down strongholds. And I really believe that these are spiritual strongholds that are in our lives, that have been in our lives for so long that we wonder whether we'll ever get rid of them, and yet the Bible clearly says that, that we have within us the Holy Spirit, this power to literally tear down this stronghold destroy the enemy, destroy that ground so that he has no more ability to send out any attacks from this particular area in our lives. That's a stronghold. And so we look at this as we prepare for communion, um, as we, we pray, we wanna really in the name of Jesus, like tear these strongholds down, that you really pray and say, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the power of God, tear this stronghold down do not give Satan, I don't want Satan to have this, this area or this, this, this part in my life right now to hurt me. And I want to tear this stronghold down right now. Not just work on it, tear it down. Maybe someone has said to you in the past, you know, you're not very good looking. You're, you're, you're not one of the beautiful people. And for years, Satan has this stronghold in our life where we're constantly fighting with the world and its expectations. And we're constantly trying to, to get a good verdict from people just to, to approve of how we look, you know, whether we're too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, not good enough looking, whatever, uh, the wrong race, the wrong color, the wrong background, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is, some lie that, that the Satan, some expectation that somebody had on you or said to you when you were young and now you have this, Satan has this stronghold in your life where you are constantly trying to prove to people 
that, yeah, I'm, I'm good looking, I'm, I'm acceptable in this area. If that's a stronghold, we tear it down. We ask God, say, Jesus, tear this stronghold down right now because I don't want Satan to attack anymore in this area of my life. Maybe someone had said to you or said to us when we were younger, you'll never amount to anything. That's a terrible thing to say. But unfortunately, we hear it. Judgment comes by someone who who says this and they don't know you. They don't know you the way God knows you. Someone, they said this, but they they don't know the, the great plans that God has for your life and how much God is going to use you to, to, to make a difference in this world for his kingdom. They don't know that. They're just making a stupid judgment. But it puts a stronghold in our lives for Satan to just rip us apart. And we say, God, uh, Jesus, tear down that stronghold. Tear down that stronghold. I don't ever want to hear that again and ever want to think that I have to live the rest of my life proving that I will amount to something. Proving, you know, now that I'm, you know, in my 40s that I've got to this career and, and I'm getting better or proving that, that I am married now and I have children and my children are, are, are good and, 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 and successful kids and, and proving this and proving that because why? Because somebody told us long time ago, you'll never amount to anything and we live that in our lives and then we start letting that stronghold dictate everything about us when we go to college, when we go to work. It's not gonna go away. It's not gonna go away. You're not gonna get that peace until we really pray and say, God, tear down that stronghold. Tear down that stronghold that Satan is using to attack and, and, and really hold my life down. Maybe someone said to you, you're worthless. That's a lie. That's a straight, bold-faced lie against what God's word says. And yet we, we continue to want to, to prove to others, I'm not worthless. Maybe someone has said to you, you're a failure. Because you don't have this, you don't have that. You're not as good as the other kids. You're never going to be as smart as those guys. Just give it up. And maybe inside now we have this stronghold of just saying, man, now I'm just constantly dealing with this message over and over and over again that I'm not good enough, I'm not as good as these people, that I need this, that I need that, that, that I'm going to be a failure, that even when I try something, I know it's going to fail already. I know I'm not going to get that. I know it's going to... And sometimes people even sabotage their own successes because they really feel like this is who I am. This is what I am. I'm never going to succeed. It's never going to work. And, and, and why is that? It's because of a lie. It's because of strongholds that Satan has put, that has in our lives, uh, based and fueled by the expectations of others. Maybe someone is trying to exert power over you. They're withholding their approval from you. And, and, and in a way, it, it, it's like you're giving them control over your life. I have to please that person. I have to try to get their approval. They're constantly not thinking of me the way that I want them to. But what we're actually doing is we're giving Satan control. And today we pray and we tear down that stronghold. No one can hurt me. 
no one can bully me. No one can have control over my life because they refuse to give their approval to me. Their approval is man's approval is not the final verdict. I have Jesus. Jesus, tear down, tear down that idol. Tear down that stronghold so that I no longer have to live with trying to please that person or trying to win that person's approval for the rest of my life. And so as we come, to, uh, we come to communion, what is the stronghold right now that is taking away your freedom? And in Jesus' name, you pray, Jesus, tear down that stronghold right now. Let's go ahead and let's spend some time in prayer together. We're going a little bit late, but I think this is a little, this is important. We're not late yet, but we're going to be taking communion in a moment. What's that stronghold that you're just really saying, God, this is tearing me apart and I want to be free. And God says, you are free. You claim your freedom in Jesus Christ right now. And let Jesus destroy that stronghold in your life. Destroy those lives. Kick them out for good so that no other person, no other group of people will hold sway over my life in this area again. Let's go ahead and pray. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, we invite you to come and take the communion. The communion is a reminder of why we have our, how we have our freedom in Christ, that Jesus gave his blood, shed his blood, gave his body. He faced the judgment he faced the judgment of God so that we might know that there's no condemnation ever again. So when you're ready, please do come, take communion, pray, pray together to tear down those strongholds right now.
Now is the time for bold prayer. You really believe God can tear down these strongholds. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every, every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you because we do not determine these things by our own strength. We simply hold to the truths that you speak to us out of your grace and your mercy, and we thank you. May we tear down indeed these strongholds that we might live unto you and truly lose ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At this time, we'll be taking our offering, and so I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward. <clears throat> 